Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We're broadcasting from Coralville, Iowa. For more information about Life Church, to watch a live stream, or to find a campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. So we're in this series, Eight Hills, and the first week that we started with, we started with the biblical truth. And that basically meaning that we need to center our life around God's word. Last week, we talked about God's love and how those two intertwine and how when you mix biblical truth with God's love, we create this atmosphere, life-giving atmosphere. And that's our hope. So hopefully you've seen this progression, even though we're in the third week, you've seen this intentional progression of how we've moved uh, from one point to the other. Today, we're talking about, um, man, uh, passionate, say that three times fast, passionate spirituality. And I'm going to dig into that here in just a minute. Um, but I want to welcome online. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name's Chris. If you, we haven't had a chance to meet I'm one of the uh, staff pastors here. And so thank you for being here. Um, but listen, before we get into it, I want you to think of this question. What image pops in when I say strength? When I say the word strength, what image pops into your head? You don't have to say it out loud. Just think about it here for a minute. When I think of strength, this is the image that pops into my head right here. Yeah. So you may not know, this is my brother-in-law, Michael Pittman. He is a retired running back for the NFL, worked for several teams in the NFL. And this is what he looks like, even to this day. I mean, this was many years ago when he played for the Buccaneers. Um, I mean, you can't see it, but he's literally got uh, tattooed on his arms, Smith and Wesson on his arms. The guy is ripped. I mean, you can just see he's, 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 he's ripped. Now, you also may not know this. We're the same height. He's 6'1", I'm 6'1". Uh, we're very similar in age. I think I'm a year older. Uh, and uh, there's other similarities. I used to lift and work out a little bit. I mean, it was this many years ago. In fact, this is about 12 years ago, right here. Yeah. Look at, look at the definition in that tricep. I mean, these are very comparable. You can see, right? I mean, I was fairly in shape. There's, there's like a one pack right here. It was close to like his 30 pack, which you can't see. I'll, I'll spare you the details. The truth is I can't stand to work out. That is like one of my least favorite things. I like to play sports, but I can't stand to, to work out. And I have family members and friends who that it is a passion of theirs to work out. And there is, I mean, obviously there's health reasons why we do this, right? And it's really, really good. And, and there's a boost of confidence and there's opportunities given, uh, especially when you look like that and, and, you, and you, you, you perform so well, you get drafted into the NFL, But we're not here to talk about the physical strength. We're here to talk about spiritual strength. And sometimes you may feel like I look right here. You know, I've got this, this, this pretense of confidence and this stank face on my, you know, that I'm doing here. That's all pretense. I mean, I'm not that, right? This is not who I am. And sometimes spiritually, we're like that. Or even in our own strength, we try to, try to come across with this facade 
of who we're really not. And the problem is that many of us think we can do this in our own strength. And the truth is, I, I want to be, I want to look like this on the inside. I want my spirit man, my spiritual development. I want to be that rock solid. I want to look like that. But we forget that this life is going to bring struggles or we think that our struggles will go away when we come to know Jesus. When we surrender our life, sometimes there's this myth that the, the, struggle, the struggles in life go away and that's not true. So we find ourselves in difficult situations and we try to fix them. We need our marriage restored. We need to see reconciliation in a relationship and the strength that you have is just not enough. We can only go so far in our strength. My ingenuity, my capabilities, my talents. And we can only go so far in our spiritual development in my own strength. So we need strength. We need power to live this overcoming life that the Bible promises. And this is where our third value comes into play, passionate spirituality. We say it like this. It's never too late to become who you might have been. We value spending our lives in the transformational pursuit of God. I've said it like this. Your current circumstances do not have to dictate your future position. You have the opportunity, listen to this, you have the opportunity right now to change what might have been. You have the opportunity right now to change what might have been. This word transformational is very intentional. And we use it to, to remind ourselves that it is not a one-time thing. It's not a one-time deal. But it is a constant changing of our life. The constant transformation of our life that the Holy Spirit is doing. And we have to see that to reach our full potential. Everyone in this room... Everyone watching online, you have a God-ordained destiny. Amen. A plan that he has designed that would bring glory to his name. Not personal gain, but glory to his name. And we need to be in active pursuit of that destiny. So there's no such thing as I've arrived. God is not done with you yet. There's no such thing as, okay, I've made it. Thanks, God. It is a continuous process. The passionate spirituality that we value is this awareness that the Holy Spirit is actively working in my life to transform me into the image of Christ. And our response should be, give me more of your spirit, God. Give me more. So as we look at scriptures, we see that the New Testament church was completely dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what A.W. Tozer says. If the Holy Spirit had withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would have noticed. You know, our staff prays in here over the prayer requests uh, that come in and uh, sometimes we get emailed and called and all that. So every Wednesday morning, we are in here praying for the needs of the church, praying for us personally. We pray over each other. And it is in that moment that we, a lot of times, we are saying, Holy Spirit, we need you. We can't do this work without you. Transform us 
into what we might have been. And we know that without the Holy Spirit, this church would not function. Life Church would have faded away a long time ago if we would not been led by the Holy Spirit, if we had not been praying, Holy Spirit, lead us, guide us, direct us. We would have faded out a long time ago. And so the third, val- the third value speaks to this. The Christian journey is a journey of a day-by-day transformation and cannot happen in our own strength, but rather in the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is not simply an, an intellectual understanding. This is something that we have to experience I mean, I know a lot of people that know the name, the Holy Spirit, right? They, they may even know that uh, it's the, the you know, part of the Trinity, the third Godhead, right? Of the Trinity. But they have never experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this to his disciples right before he was taken up to heaven in Acts. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Now, I highlighted power because that word is a derivative of, in, of the Greek word dunamis. And that's where we get our English word dynamite. It's an explosive kind of power that gives us supernatural strength. And you will see in the, books of, in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit, um, his power is consistently tied to this right here, this word witness or witnesses. Because it's not just self-serving. It is not just for me and mine It is for others to see the Holy Spirit at work and it's for the benefit of others. So he empowers us to live for Jesus. As Jesus speaks about the Holy Spirit, one of the primary ideas is that of dependency and that's a tough word. That our Christian life makes sense when we we live dependent upon him. And when we don't and we try to live this life in our own power and strength, it's like this glove. I would call this a saggy glove. Have you seen those movies where they take that glove and they go, psh, psh, you know? Yeah, anyway. <laughs> this glove has no power. This glove has no power on its own. The power happens when I put my hand in it. The glove is a representation of the Christian. This is who we are. And when we, my hand is a representation of the Holy Spirit. But when I, when I put my hand in, there's the, there's the power. But what happens is sometimes we say, Holy Spirit, I'll give you my, I'll give you a thumb space. But look how ineffective a thumb is. I mean, you can't grab anything with just a thumb, right? You just, I mean, it'd be very difficult. If you add another finger, It's ineffective. But if we say, Holy Spirit, I want to give you every part of me. Look at the dexterity. Look at all we can accomplish. Look at what we can grab. Look at what we can do. We can reach for things. We can... But a lot of times, we're like this. We're saggy. We're saggy Christians. Come on. What needs to trend right now is hashtag don't be saggy. Yeah? Come on, look at somebody. Just look at them right in the eyeball. Don't be saggy. Don't be a saggy Christian. Moving on. Sometimes we are just left ignorant to the fact that there is a power available to us. A lot of people don't know this power that I'm talking about. 
They see the word power, dunamis. And it's like, well, that was for back then, but not for now. Can I tell you it is for now? So in your current struggles, you have tense relationships, addictive behavior, you're carrying anxiety. The tendency is to think that if I work harder, put my nose down, muscle my way through, that you're going to overcome it. But we know through scripture this, it's not about self-reliance, but rather spirit dependence. We need more dependency on the spirit of God. In Luke, Jesus tells his disciples to wait for the promises of the Holy Spirit, that before they get started, before they do ministry, (laughs) they need to wait to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is trying to make it clear that everything we do is dependent upon him. And this is why our third value is passionate spirituality. That is that we live dependent on the Holy Spirit each and every day because that's what God intended for us. So how does the Holy Spirit empower us? Well, first thing, the Holy Spirit empowers us when we are weak. This is one of the great paradoxes of scripture. When we are weak, we are made strong. Our mind, our intellect does not compute that. Does that make sense, right? Doesn't make sense when we're weak, we're strong. But scripture says, when we're weak, we are made strong. It's only in weakness that we can truly experience his power as long as we consider ourselves to be strong enough, as long as we are not putting ourselves in positions of weakness or vulnerability, then we don't get experience the power. We have a tendency to want to avoid pain. That's our tendency to avoid weakness. Oh, that's too, I'm, that's too vulnerable. I don't want to be in that situation. But the longer we do that, the longer we put away the power of God. So a lot of us would do this. I've got this, God. But when I need you, I'll give you a call. Oh, maybe I'll send an email to Pastor Rich and say, hey, could you send a prayer up for me? Our dependency is not, we're not dependent on God. He's, he's there as a, as a token. We act like he's our mechanic. And you don't want to call the, the mechanic at any point unless there's a serious thing. But then if you do have a serious issue, you're like, hey, hey hope you're available, but my starter went out. We're not dependent on God. We only call on him when there's no way out. So Romans says this, the spirit helps us in our weakness. The spirit's power is demonstrated when we are weak. Do you know that God doesn't really need your help? He doesn't really need you, Rich. He doesn't really need your talents. He doesn't need your abilities. He doesn't need your money. Everything belongs to him. And he just said, hey, can you steward this? Can you manage this? Can you, I'm going to let you borrow this, but can you manage this well? He doesn't need your counsel. <laughs> he doesn't need your opinions or your permission. God is self-sufficient. But the only thing he wants from us is our dependency. Our dependence on him. When you acknowledge your weakness 
that's when you find strength from God. You know, church history proves this, that the most effective ministry and growth in the church was experienced when they were in positions, when they weren't in positions of power. Maybe they were subjugated or marginalized or persecuted. That's when they saw their greatest power. That's when they experienced their most explosive growth. So that means if you find yourself in a position where you are vulnerable, listen to this, and you feel weak, just know you are in the perfect spot to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians, it says this, but you were washed, you were sanctified in his name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the spirit of our God. Sanctified is a fancy word for becoming more and more like Jesus. As we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit and walk in the spirit, we become more and more like him. You know, we try to do the sanctification thing on our own and we fail miserably. <laughs> and we, we need to remember that the Holy Spirit is the developing the fruit of the Spirit in us. Fruit of the Spirit, you've heard of this before, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These are all fruit of the Spirit. And when we're walking in the Spirit and we see that fruit, God is tra- or the Holy Spirit is transforming us. You know, like when we used to react in anger, but now you respond with gentleness. When you act all irritated and grumpy, and now you have this joyful presence about you. When you used to act impulsively, but now you demonstrate self-control. You know, I have a friend of mine who has been in our life group, and, um, you know, it wasn't so long ago that his first reaction would be anger. He worked in an industry that was, that was their first reactions, and especially in a, in, a, in a construction type world. The first reaction, you know, everyone's coming against me and, you know, they always want something and I'm not gonna get my money. And so that first reaction was just, it was anger. But over the, over the last few years specifically, there has been a transformation. His demeanor has changed. His presence has changed. His attitude has changed and his first reaction is no longer to be angry, but to pray. And there's many, many, many like that at Life Church that have seen this transformation. So why don't you just look to somebody close to you and say, how's your fruit? Because here's the thing, a lot of you a lot of you, there may be maybe some of you here that, that you're an apple tree trying to grow bananas. Yeah? Maybe some of you, your, your, the fruit is so, it's fallen off the trees because you haven't been using it. You haven't been able to get it out to, to, to those who could use it. And some of you, there's no fruit. There's no fruit. And yet through the work of the Holy Spirit, the indicators are to have the fruit of the Spirit. That's when you know the Holy Spirit is working on the inside of you. Another way he empowers us is that the Holy Spirit helps us to know God's will. So in John 14, it says this, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind you of all that I said to you. 
The Holy Spirit counsels us, guides us, leads us. You know, one of the most popular questions asked of pastors is, how do I know God's will for my life? If I've been asked that once, I've been asked it a thousand times. I've asked it myself. And I love what Pastor Rich has said, and it says this, it's less about a revelation and more about a relationship. Meaning it's not just more information, but it's built upon that intentional effort to, to know and be known. Right? So when I'm asked, how do I know God's will for my life? I will often share this, this, this scenario, right? This, this story. And so picture this. A dad is in the kitchen making breakfast before school and his 13-year-old kid comes in and says, Daddy, what is your will for me todayest? <laughs> Old English, well, I don't even know what that is. That, I have some, the King James version of something that sounds like a cacophony of, of languages. So the dad says, why are you speaking in that horrible accent? Uh, and then says, okay, you need to eat you need to go get dressed. The kid gets dressed and comes back and says, Daddy, I'm done getting dressed. What is your will for me today? Okay, uh, the accent's still there. You need to lose that and you need to eat breakfast. So the kid eats the breakfast, comes back, Daddy, and you can see the sequence. Every time he needs to do something else, he's asking his father for what his will would be. That doesn't happen in real life. Because why? We know there isn't, we, we know the expectation of our fathers. We know the sequence of events that needs to happen in the morning. We know what needs to go on. We, we, why, why do we know this? We know this because we're in relationship with our father. Some of you have too many voices in your ear that are distracting you from hearing the will of your father. Whether that's people in your life, whether that's a distracted lifestyle on your phone all the time, texting, social media, whatever that is, there's all these voices in your life and they're distracting you from the one voice that matters and that's the Holy Spirit, the voice of the Holy Spirit. If we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, you won't have to ask about every detail in every direction because when you're in relationship with him, we keep in step with the Spirit and we find ourselves in line with His will for our lives. And that's the key. His will, not our will. We see this in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit is mentioned, get this, more than 50 times. And in Acts 15, the church leaders are writing a letter to some new converts. And these are the Gentile believers and they're giving some instructions. And there's a little phrase in this letter that I want to point out. So in Acts 15, it says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. It seemed good. This little gentle and unassuming statement, it seemed good. This phrase speaks of relationship. And as we keep in step with the Spirit, we will know what his perfect will for us is. Now, we know that this was a stretch for this young church because uh, up until this point, there was only Jewish believers. And Jesus was making a path for the Gentile believers to come to know him. And so this was new ground, revolutionary ground. 
And so we believe that the Holy Spirit is going to stretch us beyond the point of our comfort. And we're going to experiment with things and, and experiment with the leading of the Holy Spirit by asking him, God, Holy Spirit, what do you want us to do? Where do you want us to go? And if everything is in alignment, we know that we are being directed by him. Now, we've experimented a lot. We've done some things that haven't worked out. But the fact is, is that if we are asking the question, Holy Spirit, lead us, direct us, then we know we're not going to be led astray because as we seek to discern God's will, we have to ask the question, does this align with scripture? Is there anything in scripture that would prevent us from trying something a little bit different? The Holy Spirit will never, ever contradict the word of God. So you must test the voice against scripture, and that's why it's important that you know the word of God. The word of God, the scripture, the book of life. (laughs) This is our daily bread, and if we know it, we are getting God's word on it, and we can test it against his, his word. So there are many other ways in which the Holy Spirit empowers us. He gives us gifts for the benefit of others, The Holy Spirit allows us to come to Jesus through salvation. So we talk about passionate spirituality and we determine that we want to become all that God intends for us to become. Then the invitation is simple. Holy Spirit, I want to experience your power. Holy Spirit, I want to experience your power. And here's the thing. That's a dangerous prayer. Right, Tim? That's a dangerous prayer. Because it means putting yourself in a place of vulnerability. Holy Spirit, I invite your leading, your guidance, your will into my life. Now, I'm going to finish with a story here and then we're going to conclude. But the Holy Spirit works in our day-to-day life. But there are times in our life, say transitions in our life, where the Holy Spirit does some exceedingly abundantly above kind of things. And so five years ago next week, we moved back here to Iowa from California. And we'll go into all the details, but basically Pastor Rich and I kept in contact over the time that we were gone, just checking in with one another, encouraging one another. And uh, in one of those conversations, he says, kind of brushingly as we were ending the conversation, man, It'd be really great for you and Anna to come back here and work with us. That was it. Like, okay, yeah, awesome. Thanks, man. You encouraged me. You know, great. You know, he misses me. So then later that day, I was having a conversation with Anna, and I just mentioned that, again, just kind of like in passing conversation. Hey, you know, talked to Pastor Rich today, and, and he mentioned, you know, it'd be great to have us back and all that. And what I thought was just going to be a passing statement became a very, very intricate <laughs> statement. And conversation after that, we paused there for quite a while and began to think, what would that look like? And out of that conversation became prayer, prayers to the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, guide us, help us to understand our future and what this is. If this is you, these hundred things need to happen, but these are three things, three major things that need to happen for this to even come to fruition. So two months in, the three major things all got resolved. And we're talking big, significant things. If you've moved across country, if you've you know, sold a house and got a new job and all these things, these are significant things that have to happen in a very, very short amount of time. 
And all of these things work themselves out. Obviously, the Holy Spirit was guiding and directing us. Here's what's crazy. I did not have another conversation with him because we never talked after that with regards to me coming. The next call for, to him was, hey, guess what? We're moving back to Iowa. And the reality was is that he never really offered me in a position and I had already resigned my other position, so I was jobless. I guess I should have called you to say, hey, at least we're praying about it. But isn't that just like the Holy Spirit to work? He had no clue that I was even considering, really considering moving back here. Yeah, thank you. But here's the point. That's an example of a really big transition in my life, right? In our life, Ananias' life. But the fact is that in conversation, Tim, this week with somebody, you're going to have a prompting by the Holy Spirit. Diego, when you're having coffee with somebody, there may be a prompting that you have. There are things the Holy Spirit uses, whether maybe you're sitting in your car listening to music. Maybe there's somebody that comes to your mind and you need to call them. That is a prompting. And those, those moments, those promptings, those, those voice, that, that the voice of the Holy Spirit working in you, the power of the Holy Spirit, those are the transitional moments that add up to being more than these bigger transitional moments. It's a dangerous prayer to say, Holy Spirit, we need more of you. Use me. But that's our prayer for you. Can you stand to your feet? Our prayer in this house is that you would experience the power of the Holy Spirit like you've never before. We can experience it during our worship times. We can experience it in our alone times. We can experience it wherever we are. There are promptings in our life. Do not discount those promptings. Don't discount that voice in you that says, no, I shouldn't do that. I should talk to them. Don't discount those moments because I would urge you to be like, Holy Spirit, what is it, what is it in my life that you can do? One, what, how do I, how I not become a saggy Christian? How do I make room for you where I put other things in place of you? God, we want the moving of the Holy Spirit. Father, thank you so much for your power. Can you just say this, Holy Spirit, we need you? Say, Holy Spirit, we need you. Transform us from the inside out. Father, we just thank you for all that you're doing in and through us, for all that, all that you've called us to be, for those people who, even in this service or listening online, that have, have felt that prompting, that have felt that nudge, that have felt like they've been missing something, those who've only seen you on paper but never experienced you. Holy Spirit, pour into their life and into their heart. Transform them in a way that only can be acknowledged that it's you doing the work. It is not our strength, but your strength in us. In Jesus' name, amen.